the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Mission America and may contain views and opinions that do not reflect the views of the advertisers, staff, and owners of this station. Some material may not be suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, the media. To watch the ongoing media propaganda, it's like watching Pravda. Yeah, I used to be a liberal, too. We needed to speak up as a church about some of these issues that we're facing in the nation. Because heterosexuality is God's good intention and design. Parents are a little bit too complacent sometimes about, oh, how bad could it be? It's very bad. It's bigger than most people realize. And it's basically sexualizing children is what it is. Because you cannot be truly conservative and be advocating for so-called rights on the basis of what God says is a sin. Yep, I used to be a liberal too. This is Mission America with Linda Harvey. Because with God, all things, all things, all things are still, still possible. Good afternoon, friends, and welcome to Mission America Radio. I'm Linda Harvey, and I'm so very glad you've joined us this afternoon. Please visit our website at missionamerica.com. That's missionamerica.com for more information about our organization and to read news, articles, and Christian commentary on the culture. And don't forget to read my articles on missionamerica.com, of course, and on wnd.com barbwire.com, LifeSite News, and elsewhere out on the web. And be sure to order my latest book written especially for youth, and it's called Maybe He's Not Gay, Another View on Homosexuality, and it's now in its second edition. And you can learn more right on our website at missionamerica.com. You may have heard a, a bit about the controversy over the summer about a conference called Revoice in St. Louis. And now there's another one coming up in Cincinnati on October 30th uh, called Devoted. Well, these are attempts to portray homosexual and gender rebellious identities as acceptable, even within so-called Bible-believing congregations. And my guest today has written extensively on this and will give us a lot more detail, including advice about what we can do as faithful Christians to counteract this uh, movement in our deteriorating culture. So Reverend Thomas Littleton is an evangelist with over 40 years experience working on university campuses, coastal resorts, and the streets of inner cities in the U.S., Europe, and Latin America. And his work included over a decade of outreach in New York City, during the height of the AIDS crisis. Uh, Tom is also engaged in speaking Christian apologetics, and he and his wife, who is a healthcare provider, work in medical missions in Central America. Welcome to Mission America Radio, Tom. Uh, thank you. Good to be with you. Appreciate you having me. Well, it's great to 
read uh, all of your wonderful and powerful articles, to listen to you on many other radio programs. You have a, a great blog called 30 Pieces of Silver, and you have another one um, called bluecollarsaints.org. And you've been covering this um, so-called LGBT, unquote, quote, unquote, um, uh, Christianity movement uh, and the Revoice um, Conference and the leadership within Christian circles that are as making this possible. So let's start off and just give us an overview of where you got became interested in this and where it began to um, come to your attention. Well, I think the when it first came to my attention would have been along the way doing evangelism. Uh, I had to deal a lot with uh, the gay community uh, on campuses and so forth, especially in the time I spent in New York. But I also uh, was dealing with um, a lot of timidity among Christians to be confrontational with the gospel against the political agenda uh, of the gay movement. And when I was living in New York City, I really saw how that movement had embedded itself in city government. And then it really got my attention on two fronts with the, uh, in 2011 when it became clear that then-President Obama was really uh, pushing fast forward on the agenda, especially going into his uh, second uh, term. And sadly, by 2013, it was obvious that the normal uh, leadership from the evangelical community, conservative evangelical community, uh, was not being given to this issue, that there was apparently some kind of a stand-down order or a change in posture. So mm-hmm. that got my attention. Yes, and, and you've been talking a lot about the Southern Baptist Convention, and I know a lot of our listeners will be affiliated with Southern Baptist um, churches. Tell us... Uh, and also the Presbyterians, and tell us about some of the leadership here, and I don't think a lot of people understand where they're going with this. Yeah, what's really sad is we've had a long conversation, an ongoing conversation, about how the Church has been wrong. We've wronged uh, LGBT people. We've adopted all of the language of the movement without uh, really even realizing it, but there are key leaders like uh, Russell Moore, who took over the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission uh, of the ERLC or, or of the Southern Baptist Convention, and then Tim Keller, who's very popular in the Presbyterian Church of America. These are the last two significant, really strong conservative um, denominations, and sadly, we're watching uh, both their um, their narrative adopt this uh, language, uh, but also the idea that the church needs to change, that its posture toward uh, gay people or toward homosexuality, not doctrinally, but as far as treatment and culture and so forth, uh, has uh, has been wrong and needs to change. So it gives this sort of empowered victim narrative then, along with a host of other social justice uh, um, causes and terminology, it is empowering the gay agenda to uh, to push back and say the church is at fault. Yeah. And ide- ideally, you would be able to recognize this if the theological narrative uh, was being compromised as well. But actually, this is happening while there seems to be a holding of the line on the theological perspective for the most part. 
But then we've come along five years into this narrative that we're even seeing that compromise. Yes. For those of you just joining us, we're talking with Reverend Thomas Littleton, who is talking to us about the Revoice Movement. We have a devoted conference. It's called Devoted in coming up in Cincinnati. What can you tell us about that that conference and what you know about that, uh, Tom? Well, it, it came on my radar because I had done a good bit of uh, um, looking into the uh, guys who were putting on the Revoice Conference, which are right out of uh, two of uh, the uh, major seminaries within the Presbyterian and uh, Southern Baptist. So uh, we know there's been infiltration, but two of the guys, uh, Gregory Coles and then the founder of Revoice, Nate Collins, uh, are actually speaking at this devoted conference put on by a ministry that Collins has been a part of since 2013 called Love Boldly. And for those of your audience who know the distinction that they draw between side A and side B, uh, which would be fully affirming uh, homosexual Christians and then those who uh, espouse celibacy, which is the side B, uh, this Love Boldly group is A, B, and everything in between. Mm-hmm. They work with human rights campaign and they're a faith activist with Matthew Vines. I'm sure you've covered him on your program. So your people will be familiar. So this is a big melting pot of what I would call all the uh, Christian LGBT activist camp. And uh, so they're actually putting this conference on to appeal to your youth pastor. Right. Uh, and they're scholarshipping young people to come. And what they said that they're doing is they're reaching out to the youth department of your church because the youth director is not being allowed to minister to the LGBT youth in his group uh, because of the expectations of the senior staff, the senior pastor, and even the parents. So they're really subverting accountability to the staff and to the parents to go directly to the youth pastor. Right. And along the way, you read all this, and of course, this is being held at Crossroads Church in Cincinnati, which is has many different uh, branches, but that's at the main one uh, down in in the in Cincinnati itself. Um, that you know, you go on their website and they still affirm man woman marriage, and you would never know if you didn't delve a little further that they're affirming LGBTQ identities among kids. I mean, come on, there is no such identity. It's sin. Um, people, we were created to be heterosexual. That's the obvious design. And these are sinful desires, and we can be compassionate, um, but uh, as people, you know, struggle with sin. But these are not identities any Bible-believing church should uh, uh, affirm in any way. But what, once you you have a you've said youth. LGBTQ youth, you've already said that you've labeled them, you've accepted it, you believe it's inborn. Isn't that the implication, Tom? Absolutely. Uh, You know, they go into this with a giant leap, and that is uh, first the assumption of orientation, that sexual Mm -hmm. orientation is real, that there can be such a thing as uh, homosexual or gay Christian or uh, bisexual Christian, and unbelievably the idea of a transgender Christian. Yes. Uh, so they're mixing up the terminology, and it's confusing for people. And, you know, you and I realize that, but we also understand that in the world of activism, all that mingling and assumption and these giant leaps that they make are all by design. Yes, they, they just, uh, they just uh, uh, completely, as you said, leap over... Uh, any excuse and explanation and just assume you're going to accept that there is such a an LGBTQ 
identity of an individual. No, I mean it's like saying there's a different type of human. Uh, it, it isn't. Is it doesn't exist. They're they're simply um, uh, their behaviors and identities and feelings, all of which can change. We have many. The ex-homosexual community uh, is very should be very involved in this. And we have one person at this devoted conference who is formerly affiliated with, as you mentioned before, the Human Rights Campaign, the largest uh, and most aggressive anti-Christian, as I might uh, add. They've been all over my case at times, um, activist group in the country. And this woman who's a speaker, again, at Crossroads Church in Cincinnati, is married, quote unquote, to another woman. I mean, how do they do, how can they, uh, how can they, is, is celibacy the excuse they use for this? Yeah, uh, celibacy is certainly the basis on which they want us to accept their talking points into the conservative church. Uh, it's interesting with Revoice, back to their message, they were talking about queer Christianity, and they were uh, they were joking about the very line that they added in to try to gain acceptance, which is uh, that they're committed to a Christian sexual ethic. And, and in the opening night, uh, that was joked off as, well, we're not very good at that. Uh, mm-hmm. And and everybody in attendance laughed. But in fact, you know, the commitment to any of this is uh, is pretty shallow if if existent at all. And yet it's a narrative, it's a language that is to give them segue into our conversation so that our leaders, sadly, will say, hey, well, they're saying they're committed to celibacy. Well, that's, you know, if orientation is real and cannot change and you're born gay and all that assumed uh, talking points, then essentially the only expectation we can have as Christians is that people who have gay attraction would then be committed to celibacy. Yeah. Uh, and again, that's a flimsy uh, um, and unbiblical perspective in itself, but even their claims to adherence to that appear to be uh, rather uh, uh, flimsy and whimsical uh, in their own eyes. So, uh, yeah, we're seeing a lot of activism, I think, that uh, uh, that is coming directly out of the faith outreach of these uh, organizations like Human Rights Campaign that now has a lot of allies that are deep within our own circles who are just nuancing uh, the language. Uh, you know, yeah, you know, when you talk about celibacy, don't you don't you look at what's happened within the um, Catholic Church and the uh, these the way they that seemed on the issue of you could talk all day about Catholic theology and some the issues with that. We, we don't have time for that, but the issues with um, them accepting at face value these people with homosexual orientations as priests uh, committing to be celibate and look at look at what's actually been happening and do you what comment do you have to make on that we have about a minute left here for in this yeah i would i would say we have very proof positive very sad and damaging truth to a lots of lives that this does not work that the uh, making celibacy a haven for homosexuals and then allowing them in ministry or to have access to children in our churches, it's a really bad idea. Extremely bad. And it's children, and here we are with a youth conference, it's children they keep going after. I'm not saying all people involved in homosexuality have um, interest in children, but they certainly have an interest in persuading uh, and in changing their worldview, at the very least, it seems. They, they keep coming around to the schools, 
to the youth groups, and uh, we need to really, you know, pay attention to that. We're talking with Reverend Thomas Littleton, and we're talking today about the Revoice Movement, this uh, Cincinnati conference called on October 30th, called Devoted, and uh, apostasy within the so-called Bible-believing churches in accepting quote-unquote LGBTQ identities. Come on, folks, let's get real and decide what we believe and what we know is actually going on. This is Linda Harvey on Mission America Radio. Stay with us. We will be right back following these messages, and we will talk more about the so-called gay Christian movement right after these messages. Today's program is pre-recorded. To learn more, log on to missionamerica.com. Now, here's Linda. We're talking today, maybe you've heard about the controversy over the Revoice conference this summer, and there's now a conference coming up for youth pastors at a, even, an evangelical church in Cincinnati, Crossroads, on October 30th, uh, called Devoted, and it's all about accepting so-called LGBTQ identities within Bible-believing churches, as if this is inborn, as if it is unchangeable, as if we believe that people who say they're going to be celibate will be celibate. Um, I think we need to question all of that. And talking with us today is Reverend Thomas Littleton, who's an evangelist, an expert, um, written profusely and spoken in many, many different uh, media about the infiltration of Uh, essentially gay activism within Bible-believing Christianity. Tom, tell us about um, some of the quotes that you've written about, um, about what these people actually, I hate to say these people, but the the leaders of these movements, believe about um, the nuclear family. Uh, Part of it is simply, it seems like cultural Marxism in some of the uh, quotes that that, that, uh, they've come up with. Yeah, that that one phrase from Nate Collins, the founder of Revoice, uh, presentation at Revoice, was the one that caught a lot of attention and was, I would say, kind of a residual talking, you know, um, uh, water cooler discussion Mm -hmm. around the evangelical community. What are they doing uh, talking about the the idolatry of the nuclear family? Well, this language actually goes back to Drew, uh, uh, to uh, the, the Divinity School, our theological school at uh, Drew University, the same place that gave us the feminist uh, uh, Sophia uh, mm-hmm. goddess yep. uh, back in the 90s. And the idea is that the nuclear family uh, excludes people. And it was th- it was clearly a pro-feminist and pro-gay narrative then. Uh, we're seeing that same narrative be picked up uh, in the broader Southern Baptist circles right now. And, of course, some of the Reformed uh, groups like the Gospel Coalition use a lot of that same language. And it is rooted in cultural Marxism as well as feminism, because the idea that, you know, it, it really should take a village, uh, or in this case, a gay-affirming church village to raise your kids, because uh, you're, um, you know, you, you're seeing your family as a unit within itself, and it's closed to outsiders, it's closed to the authority and the community, uh, the communitarian views of the church, the common good. So, yeah, it's it's definitely embedded with all of that uh, uh, background that is very anti-biblical. 
But we saw that uh, a surface in the narrative, uh, not in the website, which was where a lot of the crazy information was already, but uh, but from the conference, this idea that the nuclear family is the source of the problem yeah. within the church. That, that, uh, it's wild, but here it is, and we've yeah. got to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, how did this? Uh, how can people be wise to the tactics of gay activism? This is just plain old gay activism. You know, uh, victim uh, posturing. We're born this way, um, and then dismissing the clear message of Scripture. You, you don't. You don't take on a sin identity and uh, demand that people respect you for your sin identity. That's essentially what they're doing. Um, I mean, right. there's nothing biblical about that, right? Right, and and it's anti-gospel because the idea of the gospel is we're not stuck in, you know, Romans 7. You know, we're, we're actually called to uh, that Romans 8, to the liberty and the spirit where our lives are defined by Christ, that right. we're not uh, identified by our sin, but by the fact that we're partakers of the divine nature, and now we belong to Christ. We've been bought with a price and we're not our own. Uh, the weird thing probably for me is just to see that this language is advancing almost without question or discernment within the conservative evangelical community. It's clear that from Revoice that it's impacted our seminaries because there were seven uh, recent graduates from Covenant Seminary, which is the flagship of the Presbyterian Church of America, very conservative. Uh, seven of the speakers were recent graduates of Covenant, mm-hmm. and then the founder, Nate Collins, is from uh, Louisville, Kentucky, the South, uh, uh, Southern uh, uh, Theological, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, Val Moeller. Yeah. So how's this happening on our seminaries? And right. the fact that this narrative is uh, is pushing into our discussion every day, uh, from books, from conferences, from internet, you know, and we're absorbing this language without realizing we're departing from a biblical language and a biblical understanding of the gospel related yeah. uh, to LGBT. Well, you know, you have to ask the question, follow the money. Is there money involved in this, money and, and privileges that are motivating some of these leaders to go to go south on this very basic issue? Yeah, I have to say, you know, during the Obama administration, the biggest concern that I had was his advance of the faith-based partnerships, which lets churches and ministries become part of government funding. Uh, and yet, there, uh, they be, uh, he brought HRC and Arcus Foundation and others to the mm-hmm. table with his revised uh, faith-based partnerships program. So we had Southern Baptists and other conservative leaders sitting down with human rights campaign uh, and um, other uh, activist groups who were wanting to push the agenda in that agreement and others with uh, like larger private foundation funding. um, We're seeing that they had embedded the LGBT rights uh, and attached it to that funding. So there had to be uh, a willingness to not be opposed to uh, LGBT rights uh, mm-hmm. on the basis of human flourishing and on the basis of, of finding the common ground for the common good and then all working together in order to uh, achieve these funding goals. Yeah, and there's there's big money. And then you have individuals like Tim Gill and right. uh, um, uh, John Stryker and yep. uh, Paul Singer, mm-hmm. they're pouring money and right and left. And these guys are multimillionaires, billionaires, uh, and they have you know a deep devotion to advancing the agenda. And, and they know the way, the obstacle in their way is a faithful Christian church. Um, 
Tom, tell people about the um, websites that you write for and how people can read more of your, your material. Well, the, the sad title, people keep asking me how, you know, I came up with a title for 30 pieces of silver. Well, it's kind of obvious because we're selling out the Lord and the gospel if yeah. we go this uh, on this pathway. And so, uh, and we just talked about the money. I think, you know, there there aren't, uh, there's not enough money for us to be willing to sell out, right. you know, church and the yeah. gospel, but right. it is happening with some. But uh, that one is, is simply, I don't uh, moderate comments or anything on it, yeah. and I kind of archive stuff on it, but you're welcome, and if you contact me through that, I will respond to you. But the other one is uh, Blue Collar Saints, because uh, uh, the name there, I think, is just reaching back, you know, Jesus, the common people heard him gladly. Right. All of this compromise is happening on a lofty theological level. Yeah. That, you know, we're kind of seeing our churches being taken out of the yeah. hands of the average person and we, put into the hands of kind of kind of a scribe, you yeah. know, or well, a we're scholarly leaders. We're running up against the clock. Thank you, Tom, for what you're doing. God bless you. People go to these websites, l- learn about this. Just remember, with God, all things are still possible. Have a great day. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.